Oh my god, that was chaotic energy. <laughs> I mean, we have been off for a week. So, you know. That is true. I needed to bring I need to bring back the chaotic energy, you know? Yeah. Start it off. Yeah. We've had a little break, we've had a little refresher, so you know. It's all good. Yes. Hey Horror Huns, it is your host, Meg. And your other host, V. And as you probably could tell from our intro, uh, we did not release an episode last week. No, we didn't. We took a little break. We we deserved it, you know. Well, yeah, we did. I was sad because I was supposed to go to a comedy show last Friday and we had booked a hotel room for after and had dinner reservations and then the comedian cancelled. So, like... That was shit, but I just spent my weekend watching shocker horror movies. Um, I watched two more of Ty West's movies because um, I, I don't think I've shared on this podcast, but I've shared on my social medias that um, I'm just going through and watching all his filmography. Um, so those were like two more under my belt, actually, three if you count one of them that I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched his segment. Um, what did you do, V? Uh, I played my PlayStation 5 and I finished the main story of the game I've been playing constantly and then I decided that I was going to play SpongeBob SquarePants instead. <laughs> what game have you been playing? Um, so it was called Tiny Tina's Wonderland. It's a spin-off of another game series, but um, this game is basically a piss take of Dungeons and Dragons, and they call it Bunkers and Badasses in the game, so yeah I I enjoyed it, I finished the main story um, and yeah, I was trying to do a trophy for the side quests, and it's like saying I missed one side quest and I haven't, so I've got pissed off that the game is fucking glitched and broke and it's like people online are like, you should start again and try and do the side quest. I'm like, fuck, fuck you. that. Yeah. Fuck that. See, that's why I can't so... get into video games. There's just so many steps. Like, <laughs> damn. I'm about to spend all this time and I might not do it right. Mm. That don't mm. sit right with me. Yeah. No, it, it, it is annoying, but it distracts me. So, you know, I'm just basically now... Wait for payday to get the new Lego Star Wars game and also the Evil Dead game Mm. and then wait for (laughs) another horror game to come out. Report back on that Evil Dead game. You sent me like the promo box for it or whatever with like all the stuff that you could get. And I was like, oh, my God, that's like super cool. Mm. Yeah, I wish I had the 200 pounds that it costs to buy it. Sadly, I did not. But... You know, it is what it is. I'll be buying the game regardless. I'm playing it. It's kind of weird. With our last episode, we had guests, and so now it's just back to good old Megan V. I know, I know. Get to be. I think we get to be a bit more chaotic today. I feel because we had to rein it <laughs> we back. We had to rein in other people. Yeah, and be more the adults in the rooms. <laughs> yeah, that was fun though. It was, and we definitely will have more guests come on in the future. Yes. But those will be surprises, and you'll have to wait for other days to find out about those. (laughs) Yes, you will. (laughs) Right. Today's episode is horror, but make it musical. 
We're talking about musical horrors. Way. Oh my gosh. This one is going to be interesting because these aren't like blood and gut horror movies. Like they're unconventional in that sense because, I mean, when you think musical, you don't necessarily think horror musicals. No, you really don't. I think there's probably a lot more stage productions of horrors out there. Um, but not many of them are musicals. And the the three picks we've got today are three picks that both myself and Meg have seen. I've seen two of them on stage and watched the films for them. So I can talk about those aspects. But yeah, I mean, Meg went to a performing <laughs> arts school. I, instead of going to the cinema when I was younger, I used to just go to the theatre a lot. So... We both, you know, we both could talk about it for days. Oh, yeah. I was about to say, I feel like we both are um, educated enough in these fields that we can talk about them. I personally um, am not, like, a huge consumer of musicals. Like, I will watch them, but they just aren't my favorite. But I know that you really, really like them. I mean, musical theater people are a whole nother breed (laughs) so um i'm not like the people you see on tiktok that are like just obsessed and will go week after week after week it was a luxury let me just tell you that now seeing them like it was a luxury but growing up they were some of my favorite experiences seeing stage productions and musicals on theater um so yeah Musical theatre kids are a different breed, but let me just say this now. I was only part of one school play and that was it. (laughs) And then I got hit with real bad anxiety (laughs) performing in front of people. So, you know, I could have been a musical theatre kid. I could have, I could have babes, but alas, I can't sing. I was a theatre kid and I like to think that I'm an okay singer. So the main issue for me is like, I can't dance as in musical dance. Like, I can, like, throw down in the club. Don't get me wrong. Like, I do have some sweet-ass moves. But I don't have, like, music and theater moves. I, freshman year, was in a dance class because you could opt out of PE and take dance in my school. So I took a year of dance, but they put me in a class of all musical theater kids So it wasn't, like, the standard dance class that, like, everyone can take. It was, like, legit, like, these kids are going to school for musical theater. And the dance instructor would just be like, why aren't you picking up on this? And I'd be like, I'm not a musical theater kid. I'm sorry. I can't. I don't follow. So mad respect to everyone that um, is in the musicals that we're going to talk about today. Um, I don't think that they have, like, a lot of dancing and some of them but um they can do it all so yeah I think one of them definitely has a lot more choreo choreographed dance yes in it um one of them it's literally just you know them singing about their feelings literally <laughs> like high school musical style breaking out in song you know just <sighs> and then the other one it's just it's sprinkled in with the drama yeah with the drama, the glam, the drama. Yes, so 
I'm excited to get into them because I feel like they're all very different. All of the picks that we have today. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, two of them, I think because they came out around a similar time, they have a similar feel to them. But, yeah, like... <laughs> they don't all have happy endings, let's face no, it. That's Some of them have sure. got... Oh, some of them have got such heart-wrenching endings. Like, oh. Yeah, do you want to get into it? Yeah, I mean, um, I think let's start off with one of my personal favourites that you're not too keen on, which is The Little Shop of Horrors, the 1986 film. I personally, I like Little Shop of Horrors. I watched it when I was a teenager and I just rewatched it actually like two months ago with Val because they had never seen it. And I'm like, okay, you have to watch it. And it is kind of cute. It's just like not something that I'd be like, oh yeah, let's put that on. But I know that you really like it. Uh, I love it. So I've seen both the film, the 1968 film and the stage production um, a few good few years ago, like way before the pandemic. Um and I pretty much fell in love with Little Shop of Horrors from the opening number. Yeah. Like when they're like, Little Shop, Little Shop Like, it's just... Also, just say there probably will be some singing in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Most definitely. And uh, disclaimer, we don't own any of the songs, obviously. And, disclaimer, this you know, is if not If we get ours. copyrighted claimed... We get copyright. Are we, are we irrelevant enough to even get copyright? Like, shit. <laughs> to be honest, if we ever blow up in the future, they could always go back in our catalogue and oh, piss strike us down. But <laughs> legit. Anyway, <laughs> um, I think, my personal opinion, the 86 film casting was just immaculate perfect oh my god chef's kisses all the round like mm, 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 mm. rick moranis is so adorable i love him like yes they cast yeah. him so well mm-hmm. he <laughs> it's gonna sound really bad but he looks like the human embodiment of what my anxiety looks like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> he just looks like he's anxious all the time and he doesn't know where he is, what to do, like, mm, well, I mean, should I even be here? Yeah, he does, he is in, like, skid row, like, he, I feel like he portrayed him so well in this movie, like, you, you really felt for him, like, you felt bad for him, you know that he's in this predicament and he's like, what do I do? How can I use this to my benefit but also still kind of be a good person at the end of the day? Yeah, that is very, very true. And um, I'm going to sprinkle in a little fun fact. So um, Roger Corman um, actually bet his brother Gene that he couldn't rehearse and shoot an entire film during the last week of the 1959. And then he created Little Shop of Horrors. And thanks to the 1960 film, they then created the stage production off the back of that. Oh my God, that's cool. So... We basically got Little Shop of Horrors <laughs> because the d- original director bet his brother that he couldn't do it. <laughs> Damn. Well, thank you. 
Thanks for betting him Thank because you. he definitely proved you wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I don't think it would be probably as popular today if it wasn't for the stage production. So if we didn't have the original film, we wouldn't have the stage production, then we wouldn't have the remake, and it's just... So... Thank you so much. Question. You said you've seen this before, right? Yes, on stage. Yeah, so how did they do Audrey 2? Audrey 2 is a giant puppet. <gasps> like, That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously it's basically like the film, but on stage, who would have thought? <laughs> um, but yeah, as Audrey 2 grows bigger, the um, puppet grows bigger, and by the end of it, it's just... In the middle of the stage, there's this giant, hunking Venus flytrap plant puppet. And it's just so spectacular. And obviously, it is voiced by an actor who's behind the stage, uh, behind the puppet, you know, singing, Feed me. (laughs) Feed me. Feed me. (laughs) Feed me, Seymour. Feed me. That's cool, though. Like, that was one of my favorite parts of the movie is Audrey 2 because it is the colors on it, she, him. Um, I want to say they're a they because they're an alien plant. Okay, so the colors on them, so pretty. Love it. Right, right. And I've actually got <laughs> written down here that Audrey 2 is my favorite character. What a surprise. Who would have thought that Victoria loves the giant man-eating plant? <laughs> I did, I went through and I listened to all the soundtracks for the movies that we're going to be talking about today. And I did that when I was at work. And um, I work at a dentist office. So it was so <laughs> funny when the song Dentist came on. Because like I literally looked at the other lady that works with me and I was like... Oh my god, this is very <laughs> ironic right now. <laughs> I'm gonna be a dentist. And Steve Mar- Martin, like, he killed that role. Like, he was terrifying and mean, and you just low-key the entire time you were like, feed him to Audrey too, please, for the love yeah. of God. Oh, yeah. And um, it's the part for me, the cameo of Bill Murray... <laughs> in the film being the sadomasochist like tell me how did it hurt tell me what you're gonna yes. do tell me so fucking funny <laughs> absolutely brilliant and yeah um so i have another little fun fact oh yeah give it to me <clears throat> so the puppet for audrey 2 um that was used in the 86 film required Guess how many people were required to operate this puppet? Seven. Sixty. Holy shit. It was a huge puppet. And apparently during um, one of the scenes, they had because it took so long for them to open the mouth of the puppet, they had to slow it down. So the actors had to be really patient with the puppeteers. And, oh, my God, could you imagine... 60 people operating one puppet that's insane like to think about yeah and now if they made it it would probably be cgi yeah which 
would take away some of the magic that is Audrey too. Because, yeah. come on, it's a giant bloody puppet. Like, it's just so cool. But, thankfully, the director of the 86 remake, um, Frank Oz, actually spent 10 years working with Tim Henson. Um, he was, um, he voiced Fozzie Bear, Miss Piggy and others. Mm. So he, he probably was like, I'm gonna do this puppet and I'm gonna do it right. He was already like in that world. 100%. So that's probably why the puppeteering and the magic of Little Shop of Horrors is so amazing to me. Yeah. I really enjoyed the music in this one, too. Like, it, all of the songs are so catchy. They get stuck in your head. But I really loved the use of the chorus in this movie. Like, how they had the doo-wop singers and, like, everybody joining in. I loved that. That that was kind of, like, a running theme throughout the production. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, I, it's just... It brings me so much joy. Like, I rewatched it last night, just re-, re- rereading my notes, making sure that I've got stuff down. Um, and I was just like, Shabu, 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 Shabu. I just, oh, I love it. I love it. And, you know, it does touch on a very serious topic as well. In our, well, a couple of serious topics, like obviously poverty, but um, obviously... Um, um, with Skid Row but also with Audrey and the dentist yeah and I'm I'm just so glad that she actually got a happy ending with Seymour that is so true she she deserved it and if they actually had gone with the original ending that they were gonna do then she would not have gotten that happy ending and yeah didn't like they wasn't she supposed to be like killed like eaten i think she was supposed to be eaten and then seymour was supposed to jump in the mouth of audrey too with a knife and try and you know stab audrey too from the inside but thankfully they didn't go down that route yeah and they actually decided to give someone who um is a dv um survivor a happy ending and i think the way they portrayed dv um for those who don't know, I'm going to abbreviate some of these words. So I think you can kind of guess what DV is. Um, but they betrayed it in such a manner that they didn't make fun of it. Mm-hmm. And those around her were worried. Like even the chorus girls, when they were, you know, their normal skid row selves, they were like, listen, you need to get the hell out of there because that man ain't good for you. Ain't good. No, I'm glad that you brought that up because it is a very central storyline for Little Shop of Horrors, and I do think that they handled it well. Um, I'm glad that her piece of shit boyfriend got eaten, but um, you know, it's just me. Have you um it's like a side tangent, have you seen the um I think it's like a carpool karaoke where Ariana Grande and Seth MacFarlane sing Suddenly Seymour? I think I've seen a clip of it, yeah. And Give me I that just... version. I need to see a whole movie where she mm. is Audrey and he is Seymour because 
their magic and for anybody that doesn't know I am high key obsessed with Seth MacFarlane so I would love to see it his voice is like butter and I am high key obsessed with Ariana Grande so it's like a collision (laughs) of the two things that we love exactly and like Ariana started out on stage, so she she ha- she is a musical theater kid at heart. That's why she's cast in Wicked as Glinda the Good Witch. Oh, she is. So, yeah, yeah, they're um adapting it to film, and she's casted as um Glinda the Good Witch. So I'm very excited for that. Obviously, we won't talk about it on the podcast because it's not horror, but I will probably most definitely be bugging me <laughs> <laughs> privately, going, "Oh my god." That's perfectly fine. So, like, out of all of the songs, which one would you say is your favorite? That is... It's got to be either the very first song, um, where they're, you know, introducing Little Shop of Horrors, or it's got to be Feed Me. Them two are, like, the catalysts of the film for my... I personally love Suddenly Seymour. Like, there's just something about it that just makes me smile. Um, But I think I want to ask that for the rest of them, too, because that's a fun question. (laughs) (laughs) Christ. Um, Okay, so... I think we should just go a little bit more modern now for this next pick. Okay. And it's a very relevant pick, mm. and you'll probably find out why. We're next going to be talking about Sweeney Todd, the 2007 film. Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Street. Christ. I was not expecting that to no. come out of your brain. <laughs> I... I can't listen to Sweeney Todd now without thinking of Andy from The Office because I fucking love Ed Helms and how much he loved Sweeney Todd. But anyway, yes, I have some history of the play if you want me to get into it because it's a long of history. Of course I do. Okay. Of course I do. So do you know much about Sweeney Todd? Um... I know Bits and Bobs, it's um, the only one that I haven't seen on stage, and I would really like to. So, you know, I know nothing about, like, the stage production and shit like that. Woohoo! <laughs> I threw out an S-word. <laughs> Oops. Um, so, Sweeney Todd was actually a Penny Dreadful from Victorian Britain called The String of Pearls. Do you know what a Penny Dreadful is? I know there's a TV show called <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I never shut up about it. It has to be brought up every episode. I'm sorry. It has to be. That's fine. So, like, Penny Dreadfuls are kind of like OG horror writings. They talked about, like, supernatural shit and, like, killers. And they gave out Penny Dreadfuls during public executions. So... That actually now rings a bell that you've described it. Yeah. Yeah. So... It started with the string of pearls back in, you want to take a guess, when Sweeney Todd started? Um, The Victorian era. Okay, 1846. (laughs) That's a long fucking time. Yeah, (laughs) it's unknown who the author of it actually was. Wikipedia says it could have been written by two different men, but, like, who could really say for certain? Like, it's been around for over 170 years. 
I'm going to say Jack the Ripper. <laughs> I, I, I can't with you right now. Um, but yeah, so like we don't truly know who wrote Sweeney Todd, but then in 1865, it was adapted to the title Sweeney Todd, Demon Barber, Fleet Street by Frederick Hazelton. Then Brian Burton just took it down to just Sweeney Todd in 1962 and made it into a melodrama. It was very dramatic and like, ooh, it was melodramatic. Right. Then that is very interesting though that it's gone through a couple of name changes. Like obviously Sweeney Todd has been around for so long. Yeah. And thank you to V's ancestors for giving it to us, to the world. Like I say, British people know how to do things. We do. So from Brian Burton's Sweeney Todd it was adapted by another British playwright, Christopher Bond. Chicken, oh my god, she really had something to f- say about Sweeney Todd in 1973. And so that is what Stephen Sondheim, who wrote the music, and Hugh Wheeler, who did the book, based the 1979 musical on. So, like, it has gone through it, Sweeney Todd, to get us to the Tim Burton movie that we're going to talk about today but it has been made into several movies before that um it was originally made into a movie in 1926 but that's unfortunately lost to us and like no one will ever get to see that but it was also made into movies in 1928 and 1936 and there's also a horror movie that i really want to watch it's called bloodthirsty butchers And it's, like, based on Sweeney Todd, and back in the 70s, it got really shitty reviews because of its use of gore, which kind of makes me want to watch it even more. So that one's definitely going on my watch list. And even one of my favorite directors, Kevin Smith, referenced it in his movie Jersey Girl that came out in 2004. So Sweeney Todd has had, like, a huge cultural impact when it comes to horror, especially horror in the theater. Um, no, that is really interesting, yeah. Thank you for sharing that history. You're welcome. I started like just looking at it just because when we talk about something, I want to have a little bit of context as to what we're talking about and just the history of it to know that it's been around for that long and has got us still hooked today. It's like, damn, they were given this story out for a penny during like a hanging and here we are talking about it on a podcast in 2022. Because of the time period it's based in and it was like written in i think that's why you probably like it a lot more as well because you like yeah. that sort of era like mm. you love that dark gothic shit yes oh my god yes <laughs> you know it do you know it you know it so yeah we are going to be talking about the tim burton film and we want to do a slight disclaimer before we get into it about mr tim burton himself yeah. um Meg and I love his films, like we do. Some of his films probably impacted our childhood a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, however, he is a very problematic man um, and a bit of a piece of shit. Um, the fact that he doesn't cast um, actors of colour because they don't fit his aesthetic is a load of pure shit. He should just come out and say he's racist. Mm-hmm. Like, let's face it. Literally. Exactly. It just... 
Yeah. It makes me sad to know that somebody, like you said, who had such an impact on how I view horror and, like, how I move about in that community like for the longest time growing up I really loved Tim Burton and I still find his movies super good and I would love to like talk about them but also on the same turn sucks because how can somebody with such a artistically beautiful mind just be an absolute dog shit piece of shit person on top of that disclaimer we want to say that this podcast stands with johnny depp a hundred percent so um if you are an amber heard sympathizer number one get fucked and number two goodbye (laughs) i mean is there anyone that sympathizes with her because i've seen zero to be honest i've seen absolutely zero everyone i've seen is team johnny all the way but that might be because i'm on the right side of the internet if i saw anyone support her that's it i would stop being friends with people i would block them i would drop them immediately because as you if you've been following the court case it's clear as day that one she's a piece of shit two her legal team are just fucking idiots Mm -hmm. and three Johnny Depp is just a generally nice guy and is so respectful of people. And one of my favourite things that has come out of the court case (laughs) is just him like, yes, I've assaulted a cabinet or two in my time. I like when he said that um, happy hour is any hour. When they asked him if he was drinking early, he's like, happy hour is any time. It's like, what a cool guy. But he rocked it as Sweeney Todd. Yes, he needs to do more musicals because he's got not a bad voice on him he's got a very unique voice and obviously you can still hear the johnny in that voice but he needs to do more of it because oh my god him as sweeney todd is so damn sexy oh my god see i don't really find johnny depp hot but like he's just Like, it's hard for me to put into words how I feel about him because him as an actor, he just, he embodies that character no matter what he does. And, like, you could really feel that in Tim Burton's adaptation. Like, it it was so good. But also, I hate sad movies. So re-watching this just, like, tore me up a little bit. Because I'm just like, God, I just want you to be happy. And, like, everything (laughs) sucked. Uh, Yeah, most definitely. It's one of those horror musicals that no one really gets a happy ending apart from, you know, two characters. But that's because they're young and they stayed out of people's way. (laughs) Pretty much. Um, But, yeah, it's, it's a it's a roller coaster of film like it's really really sad <sighs> yes it is and i think that this musical is oh, god i wish that i have seen it live because i just think that mm. it is absolutely brilliant like the music in it like it feels large does that make sense like i can feel it in my body like it like consumes you yeah, I get what you mean. 
Okay, thank God, because I was like, that kind of sounds it's... weird when I was thinking about it in my head, but it's just like <laughs> the instruments in it. I am yeah. I am not a musical person, so like, please forgive me if what I'm saying makes me sound ignorant, but like the orchestra makes the music so much better. Yeah, it, it adds the... It gives you that extra feeling. It emphasizes what you're supposed to feel because you feel the like music through your basically your bones, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Oh, this gives me chills." And I also wish I could see it on stage. Um, like, I just love musicals, and I want to see more of them. So, if I ever get the chance to see it. I'm immediately going. I don't care. At my high school, they did, like, a musical every year, like, a huge musical, and, like, everybody went to it, and there was always rumors, like, they're gonna do Sweeney Todd one year soon. They're gonna do Sweeney Todd one year. They have yet to do it. But let me tell you, I'd be first in line to buy a ticket, because I would love to see how they do the, like, throat cutting on stage. Mm-hmm. Because in the movie, it's yeah. pretty brutal. Yeah. That is very true. I mean, they could do it when um, they, like, Sweeney Todd cuts the throat and then all of a sudden it goes black. Yeah. To symbolise death because that's what some stage productions do if there's, like, a big, you know, slit of a throat or, like, a bang sort of thing. It just, like, lights go off sort of thing. Um, but I would love to know if they use fake blood because Dude, oh right? my god could you imagine just <laughs> right oh my god that's my impression of blood squirting out someone's throat by the way i was gonna say i had seen a little piece of it because <laughs> i'm rewatching penny dreadful and they like perform it and since then i'm like how would they do that on stage because that's like mm. also like a lot to clean up that is very true yeah oh these are all questions that are very good and relevant. If you have um, worked on, been a part of, or seen Sweeney Todd live, um, shoot us an email or a tweet or something. Let us know. Because I would... Please, we're nosy. We need to know. Um, but <laughs> we knew. something that I really liked in the 2007 film was the color palette. Because it's so dark and dismal, it matches the feeling of the performance. But I also really liked when they went to the beach, right? When it's all bright. Yeah. The contrast of that was so good. Yeah, it was um in um Miss Lovitz, yes. Like in her imagination, thinking about her and Sweeney being together. Mm-hmm. And like... And even that is sad. That woman had a crazy imagination. I was that. about to say, she was like high key crazy um yeah the fact that she knew sweeney's missus was wandering around the streets as the crazy homeless woman and didn't tell him something ain't right there that's jealousy that is jealousy she had been in love with him like the whole time it's sickening well i'm gonna still can't get over that i know and then when the ending when the boy turns around and well Sweeney Mm -hmm. that the first time I saw it I was like that happened oh my god like I was taken aback yeah but 
I was really, really sad that Sweeney got offed. But at the same time, it was quite poetic him getting offed and him holding his wife's body in his arms. Yeah. And at that point, too, like, his character, like, think of all the stuff that he had gone through knowing that his wife is now dead. And with his Mm. daughter, like, in all honesty, he probably would have wanted to go anyway. Most definitely, yeah. He he went out with a bang. Yep. He really he truly did. Now, he what's really your favourite song on this one? So it's gotta be again, I've got two because <laughs> I'm indecisive. <laughs> um it's gotta be either the worst pies in London or um Pirelli's uh, Miracle Elixir. By Pirelli's Miracle Elixir. Yes, that song, Val and I um, quote that song frequently if we go somewhere and something smells like piss. But. Smells like piss. I love it. I love it. Um, That song's really good, and I love that Sasha Baron Cohen was. I, I forget his name, but the other barber. Um. Pirelli? Pirelli. Yes. That was iconic, but my favorite song, which Val roasts me for because it's sad, is Joanna. It's it's a tune, though. Like, it's the moment. It is that bitch. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like, when I listen to that, like, I feel it. Like, I can feel, like, all my hair stands up, like, on my arms, and I just... You feel the sadness in his voice, and, like... You know that Joanna so desperately is wanting to get out and he wants to provide that for her. But, like, how? How can we do this? It just... Oh, Sweeney Todd. It's a movie that I can't watch often because I don't want to be sad, but it's so, so good. It is iconic. It really is. And, um, yeah, it's one of those ones I would have probably watched many a times on repeat because I just love it so much. And yeah, and um, Team Johnny. Team Johnny all the way. Team Johnny <laughs> and fuck Tim Burton. That's what this podcast would like to um, officially declare on air. Um, but yeah. I do declare. I do declare. <laughs> okay. So we've got our final pick and there's going to be no surprise as to this pick because it is just one of those films that has shaped so many people me included and it is the rocky horror picture show the 1975 film i wanna go to the late night double feature picture that is like a vibe, a feeling, a lifestyle, Rocky Horror Picture Show. It is very divisive as well. You either fucking love Rocky Horror or you fucking hate Rocky Horror. And we love it. I love it with every part of me. I really <laughs> do. I really do. It's just... it. I watched it. I think it was one of the ones I watched when I was... Uh, quite young um, because I think my mum had it on um, DVD and I was like "Mm, let me watch this let me see what this is about because the front of it is literally just a pair of big red lips and frankenfurter 
just in the lips, hanging out like a sea. And I was just like, oh, this looks queer. This looks interesting. Let me have a look. <laughs> My friend Courtney, hi, Courtney, um, loves Rocky Horror, and she has a daughter, Lynn, and she is younger than kindergarten. So, like, she hasn't officially started school yet. But Lenny knows almost all the words to Rocky Horror. All the songs. V, it is so cute. Courtney has sent me videos of Lynn doing the time warp. And I'm just like, oh my god, that is how you raise a kid. That is how you raise a child. That is. That is so adorable. Yes. That is just... I can picture it, and uh, like I said, it's just one of those films that shapes you as a person, I feel, and it definitely shaped me. Um, I think it was one of the first roles I saw Tim Curry in, and I was like, who is this musical man? I love him so much. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, this musical has had a huge impact on society especially the lgbtq plus community like it has helped push the envelope when it comes to queer and gender expression and especially for people like me and v who are part of that community like it is very influential because it also allows people to kind of see outside of just their bodies and it is I feel like when people say that they don't like Rocky Horror I'm like are you homophobic (laughs) (laughs) are you a secret homophobe or you do you just hate musicals which is the same thing (laughs) (laughs) no but it's so true like this movie is absolutely iconic and we got it because um Richard O'Brien was bored Like, he just wanted something to do. He loved, like, cheap B-rated horror movies and sci-fi and glam rock music. And he was like, fuck it. Let's make a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah, and um, this is the second one that I've seen the stage production on. And let me tell you, it is just as chaotic seeing it on stage as it is watching the film the Rocky Horror Show, oh my god, the amount of character breaks that happen by the actors is so hilarious and makes it ten times better because they're just trying to get through a line and they're like, no, (laughs) bear with. I saw this show performed on Halloween night at a drag bar and yes, like, that is like, that is like one of those core memory moments where you're just like, this is fucking awesome. Like, seeing it live is so cool, and I really want to go to a midnight showing one day and, like, where people dress up and stuff. Like, my mom told me that she's been to several ones of those. Like, they used to do it here at a place called The Vogue, and, like, you know, where they throw the toilet paper and, like, scream the lines, and I want to be a part of that one day because it's just so cool that this has happened over the years. Yeah. The the fans... For this stage and film are unlike anything you've ever seen like they're just so chaotic and that <laughs> I've seen clips of um, a stage production that got filmed of the Rocky Horror Show and the, the audience participation 
is hilarious. <laughs> I want to be a part of it. Yeah. Like, I just want to be as chaotic as everyone in that theatre, you know? Yeah, and, like, it had a rough start, like, for screenings. They were struggling to find their audience, and they even pulled some of their releases and just started showing it at midnight. Like, they would show it with, like, a double feature, and on Saturday and Fridays, they would show Rocky Horror, so it just started to gain the cult following that it has now, and that's when people started, like, dressing up in costumes, yelling lines, throwing things, and, like, because you knew that you could go there every weekend and do it and just, like we said, be a part of that chaotic, fun, exciting, and, like, fresh new film. Ah, I love it so much. Um, And when I was doing research, I didn't actually know this before, but the Time Warp, which is one of the most popular, you know, songs in um rocky horror is actually a t- um time filler because when they were adapting it for the film they're like oh, we need to pad this out because the stage show was only 40 minutes long so time warp was written as this big choreographed scene to just fill time and now like pretty much everyone knows the time warp yeah it's just oh. It's just so good. It's just so good. And one of the um, actors who is one of the um, dancers in the Time Warp is a gentleman called Christopher Biggins. And he is a very big um, musical theatre guy in the UK. And when I first watched it, I was like, that's Christopher Biggins. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy that they had to add that because, I mean, this movie, you go through a journey with these characters and I loved seeing it on film and they actually used like some of the costumes from the stage show in the movie which I think is great because they didn't try to make it something that it's not they knew that it was beloved for a reason and they just kind of went with that but when I was doing research I saw that Pierre Laroche Rocher. Again, this podcast has a running theme. Me and V don't know how to say people's names because we just read stuff on the internet, but apparently that's supposed to make you more intelligent. That means like that you're more intelligent because you learned it while reading but then by hearing. So that just means that we're studious. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to hold that in so much! <laughs> but, um, the guy who designs, like, the film's makeup concepts also did makeup for Bowie and Mick Jagger so I thought that was super cool it's like damn yeah I did David Bowie's makeup and I um conceptualized for Rocky Horror like that dude is a fucking legend for that a hundred percent a hundred percent and um I saw that the actress who plays Magenta uh, actually was um part of the stage production because she took on the role from an actress that dropped out and then when they were turning it into the film because she was so beloved in the role as magenta they cast her as magenta for the film and i just thought that was so cool that is so cool i want to dress as magenta for one halloween because she's just like 
so beautiful. Honestly, all of them are like ah. Uh, and Susan Sarandon. Susan oh. Sarandon in this movie. Oh my god, yes. she's oh beautiful. Gosh, I love Janet. her. Damn it, Janet. I love. That's one of my favorite songs from the movie. And fun fact about me, I walked down the aisle to Damn It, Janet. Oh, that's so cute. Stop yes. it. Stop so every it. time I hear it, it makes me think about my wedding. Oh, stop it. You'll melt my... Oh. <laughs> but another one of my favorite songs, which is completely different. I don't know why, but I love Touch a Touch a Touch Me so much. Ooh. Yeah. Mainly, I just really like Susan really Sarandon in this movie, too. Like, I love the role of Janet, but I also love that in that song you get Columbia and Magenta's commentary as she's singing it they're like you mean she Uh uh-huh it's like that to (laughs) me is so funny I love it oh I completely agree with you on that one I'm trying to think of my favorites because I love every song in this yeah this one is hard Um, to choose for sure so I've got to say um one of my favorite songs is um Sweet Transvestite I mean yeah, that is that's how you're introduced to Frankenfurter, and he is one of my favorite characters. It's just the moment when he's like, "How do do I? So you've met my faithful handyman." And Tim Curry oh, I love it. in this film. I mean, I know that there has been others that have tried that role, but like when I think of him, I think Tim Curry. Like he is that role to me yeah 100% I love that man so much and it's so sad that I think in 2017 he had that stroke that has just unfortunately made us lose most of his personality and I think if he didn't have that he would still be doing so much more and he would probably love to do more but you know, I'm still happy. I'm happy he's still alive and he's still doing appearances for um, Rocky Horror fans and, you know, it fans. So, you know, I just love that man so much. And I love that this film and Frankenfurter have has kind of like transcended over the generations. Like, yeah, so many people love him and love this movie like it is definitely iconic and if I ever hear somebody be like I've never seen it I'm like how are you like alive like how are you a person right now because what yeah exactly I have a fun fact oh I also had a fun fact (laughs) I wonder if it's the same thing Go on, you go first. I found out that it is the longest running release in film history. That's not my fact, but that is really cool. It continues to be played in theaters, and Disney bought out 20th Century Fox, and they were, like, putting a lot of the movies into the vault, which I think is fucking bullshit. Um, But they said that they would still allow it to be played, so it's still played in theaters at midnight, and it has made... At the box office, over $226 million off of its $1.4 million budget. The girls are gays and days will keep winning. (laughs) (laughs) 
just keep winning. Um, What's your fun fact? My fun fact was, apparently, Elvis Presley was interested in playing Eddie, but he eventually passed on it. So Meatloaf, may he rest in peace, um, took on the role instead. And you know what? To be honest, that Eddie was made for Meatloaf. Let's face it, I can't see Elvis in that role. Like, I really can't. That would be absolutely a totally different character in movie. Yeah, exactly. And Meatloaf, he's... He's not the most attractive guy, but he had the biker look and he's got the voice. Well, had the voice, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I literally, like Tim Curry and Frank and Farrah, I can't really see anyone else play Eddie but Meatloaf. And um, a, a fact to add on to that, um, in the film... The cast actually had no idea what was underneath the table in the dinner scene. So their reaction when Frank and Fretta pulled away the tablecloth to reveal Eddie's corpse was genuine. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. No, I didn't until I was researching. I was like, oh, shit. That's quite cool. Like, there's some things you just need actors to have a genuine reaction of, don't you? And I think that's definitely one of them. But... Most definitely, yeah. I love that we still talk about Rocky Horror and it's still so mainstream today and that, like I said, like it's still being shown in theaters. It's still being performed. This movie is so important, I feel like, to cinema history that it will just continue, I think, to be talked about forever, especially now because we're seeing more LGBTQ plus equality or trying to get there we're seeing a lot more um gender expression and i feel like these are big themes in rocky horror so no matter what going forward this movie will always be relevant in some way shape or form even for like sexual liberation like this movie is very important to a lot of the causes that people are still fighting for today so I am excited to see probably future performances and maybe V, whenever we decide to link up, we can try and find a midnight showing of it. That'd be so fun. Yes! <laughs> and it also helps that it's got a banging soundtrack as Absolutely. well. Like, so, it's just... did I already ask what your favorite song was? Yes, I um went for sweet transvestite. Oh yes, but um I think the one that Eddie sings as well. Um, whatever happened to a Saturday night? Oh yeah, that one. I it just gets me moving. It's just like oh, 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 oh. it's like a chase. It's like a change of pace sort of thing. Yeah. I love that. Um, and obviously Time Warp is just a classic. What was yours? What's your favorite? Damn it, Janet, and touch a touch a touch me. I think is my favorite. So, yeah, I like that on all of these we had different favorite songs. Yeah, I think it um, possibly shows our personalities in a way. Like, your ones are very much melodramatic sort of songs. <laughs> <laughs> Mine are just, like, chaotic energy. Like, ah! I love that for us. <laughs> Well, I mean, we did say this episode was going to be chaotic, and I think it has been. That's all right. Thank you for pushing me out of my um, 
boundaries to talk about something that I normally don't consume a lot of, but I do want to find more horror musicals now after like researching and watching and like re-listening to these soundtracks because I'm sure that there's Mm -hmm. a lot more out there that like I'm just not aware of so maybe we can always come back and visit musical horrors like I know it's not technically considered a horror um, movie but like Beetlejuice is on Broadway yes that is very true um I've seen a couple more than you have. Um, One of them I watched is called Anna and the Apocalypse. Um, It's a um, British movie um, that's a zombie Christmas horror musical. I think when I was doing research, I think, I think that that was also inspired by Rocky Horror yeah um watching it it definitely felt like some inspirations it wasn't good but it wasn't bad it was mediocre for me okay um but if we ever revisit we can obviously talk about that it further um there was one called uh repo um that one of the songs is very popular on tiktok isn't there like an evil dead musical is there an evil dead I think musical? there is. Hold I'm on. I want to say there is. I feel like that's a fever dream, to be honest. <laughs> They're going to hear us typing. Yeah. Um, it is. Oh, yeah. First performed on stage <gasps> in 2003 in Toronto, Ontario. And it made... Someone's posted it fully on um, YouTube, so I know what I'll be doing later. <laughs> <laughs> Report back. Let me know how it is. Because I'm sure when we leave here i think i'm gonna watch cabin fever so then that's i thought that i only had one more ty west movie but i actually have two so i'm gonna get them i'm gonna knock them off my list what what two have you got to watch um so cabin fever um the first one's Mm -hmm. eli roth and i think that ty west and eli roth are like friends or whatever he directed the second one but fun fact he asked his name to be taken off of that because the producers went back and reshot and like reordered and rearranged it so much that he was like this isn't what I created like this isn't mine anymore I don't want my name on this and they refused him because that is one thing that I have learned about Ty West in most of his movies which I think is why I admire him and like Kevin Smith so much they write it they direct it they produce it they edit it like it is their baby like it's their yeah. creation so i have definitely enjoyed watching all of his stuff because he is we'll get into it in a later episode i won't go on too much more <laughs> <laughs> so cabin fever and what's the other it's one it's called trigger man um i think it's a 2007 film which i had issues finding some of his older movies um it's about like a a hunter it's based on a true story like these guys are in the woods hunting and then they become the hunted i've watched a criminal mind episode about it and i think that val has listened to a podcast episode where they talk about it it's like a true crime case but he made it into a horror movie so love that <laughs> it's the fact it's like criminal minds <laughs> dude i fucking love criminal minds me too me too well, we are completely getting off topic now, so chicken. Oh, 100%. Hello. 
I feel like it's because we didn't record last week. We're just like, what do we can? What can we talk about? Yes, I'm excited <laughs> for the next episode that we're gonna do too. So. You guys will have to yes, check back. The next episode is basically me coming out of my comfort zone for a genre, well, a subgenre you love. Yeah, so, so that's exciting. Uh, it's going to be very interesting. Yes, so we should be Indeed. back to regularly scheduled programming. Um, every now and then, me and V might take a break, but yeah, we'll still be coming at you on Wednesdays. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And you know, if you miss us too much you can always go back and listen to old episodes or you can follow us on our social medias right v that is right and you can find us on twitter at horror huns pod and on instagram at horror huns podcast and obviously um you'll probably see some of our own like twitters um pop up on the horror huns instagram so you can always give us a follow on them as well but yeah this has been a really fun in episode i've enjoyed it a lot i just love musicals oh i'm such a musical kid at heart let's face it <laughs> Man, so cute i'm glad that we got to delve um deeper into something that you really love i enjoyed it and i had fun um v do you have any last words um happy belated birthday to my mum who turned 50 yes. on the 22nd of april she is a taurus and it's a pain in my ass happy birthday v's mom Love you, mom. excuse me <laughs> v's mum <laughs>